I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Can you believe that this is our 10th episode? If you've missed any, I suggest going back and hearing about trees, fossil fuels, the EPA, plastics, and recycling. We've just begun talking about climate solutions and have much, much more to share and learn. If this is your first time joining, welcome. I'm Zachary James from Los Angeles, California. I'm an 11-year-old and have big concerns for our future. We, the children, are being punished for what our ancestors have done to the world for centuries. Decades of policymakers and big corporations have made billions at the expense of my generation's future. And the worst part? They've escaped consequence. Until now. Each week, we will continue to discuss the most pressing climate issues and meet climate warriors who are working to protect our planet. You'll get wacky weather reports, play fun trivia games, and learn ways that you can make a difference in your community. We may not have all the answers, but we will fight for climate solutions. That's why I'm recording this podcast instead of playing with my friends. Let's get to work. On with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to We the Children. I'm so glad you're here. We have a great show for you today. Today, we'll be interviewing Freeman Hall, who is an expert in the field of solar power technology. He is also an industry executive who understands the relationship between business and environmental causes. Welcome, Freeman. It's great to be here, Zach. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Of course. Here's our first question. How did you get started in the solar business? I got started working in solar 17 years ago. That's been a while. When I was asked to help a company wanted to invest in renewable energy, this is long enough ago that it wasn't obvious that renewable energy would be a very strong area of growth, but we were uh, able to look at the opportunity in solar and see that it was really 
going to get a lot less expensive and would grow a tremendous amount. And that was sort of the first step in getting into the business of solar. And from that was living in Atlanta at the time. And we bought a company that was developing solar projects. And then we grew that company and sold it to a very large company that makes solar panels. And then I started another company based here in Los Angeles and moved from the East Coast, from Atlanta, out here and have been working, developing solar and now renewable and battery projects since then. Wow. Can you explain solar science and the process of how solar panels work? Yes. I was actually talking to Liza, who you know from being classmates back in the day, and Thomas and Reby, our nine-year-old kids, at dinner last night about the science of solar. And they reminded me of a explanation that I had made at career day at school, where my kids go to school. And I referenced the magic school bus. Ever heard of the Magic School Bus series? You know, the hit 1990s TV show and books all about science? You might remember Wacky Miss Frizzle driving the bus to all sorts of scientific places for her students to see. One time, Miss Frizzle's class studied the electric field. All the kids shrunk down into tiny, bite-sized little boys and girls. The electric field is defined as a physical field that surrounds electric particles and either attracts or repels other electric particles in the same field. What happens with the solar photovoltaic effect is that it basically is what happens when the sun's energy hits the solar panel. It's actually the photons, which is sort of the packets of energy that's in sunlight, hit the material that's on a solar panel, which is a semiconductor material. And a semiconductor material is one that the electrons that are in the atoms can actually get excited and can jump off of the atom and become free electrons. And so the photovoltaic effect is just that. It's the energy from the sun hitting these materials, these semiconductor materials, freeing up electrons. And then if you create a closed circuit, there's a pathway for those electrons to move along. And it's actually the flow of electrons that is, in fact, electricity. So it's that very simple photovoltaic effect that creates electricity. And that's the beauty of it. In many ways, it's so simple. So what's a closed circuit? Well, it's an electric circuit through which an electric current can flow in an uninterrupted path. Pretty cool, huh? So I was re-explaining this to my kids at dinner last night, and I'd just been taking a look at your work with your website and, and your previous work, and I was reminded of your Rule of the Bark podcast that you had done before. My kids were asking me, well, if the electrons get freed up off this semiconductor material, wouldn't that get depleted? Wouldn't the polysilicon or whatever that material is like start to change if all these electrons are constantly getting freed up and creating electricity and moving off the panels? And I was like, you know, it's sort of like with our dog, Libby. You guys got a dog, but our dog is a golden retriever that sheds all the time. Every time you rub our dog and pet her because she loves it all the time, hairs start to bounce up all over the place. And it's like the same thing as with the semiconductor material. You can rub Libby 
and pet on her every day, every hour. Hairs fly off, and she still has a seemingly endless supply of hair. And so that's my analogy for you, is that our dog Libby is like a semiconductor material where electrons free up and go all over the place. And it's the same thing as an analogy. So that's my terrible analogy. That's a great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Solar panel costs have gone down significantly in recent years, but the cost and installation is still way too expensive for many households. How does your company help solve that issue? Yeah, that's a very good question. So 15, 17 years ago, the cost of solar panels would have been above $3 a watt. Now, watt is a unit of electricity, a unit of power. And the solar panels themselves actually gotten more efficient. So maybe a very large solar panel might have been 150 or 200 watts 15, 17 years ago. And now a very big solar panel might be 400 or 500 watts. So they've gotten bigger, but they've gotten more efficient. But that cost used to be, again, $3 to $4 a watt. Today, the cost of solar panels is 50 cents a watt if you're buying them and putting them in in a lot of volume. So that's an amazing reduction in costs. And that's what makes solar energy and other renewables about the cheapest form of energy in the world today. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. As with many technological innovations, climate solutions such as solar panels have become more accessible and efficient. I would have needed, say, 25 solar panels in 1995 to power a home or a building. But today, I would only need 10, and the cost per watt would be one-eighth of the cost in 1995. That's amazing. No wonder renewables have so much promise for all of us. That cannot be underestimated how big a deal that is. At the same time, buying solar panels still is expensive. And so in terms of being too expensive for households, one good thing is that, again, 15, 17 years ago when I was starting, you had to have solar maybe on your house in order to be using clean energy. But now when we flip on our lights, whether or not you have solar on your house, the grid here in California is supplied by a lot of wind energy and big wind farms and solar farms. And so even if you're not using solar yourself, when you flip on the lights or use your computer or run the air conditioner, it is supplying electricity from renewables. And depending on the time of year, today is a nice sunny day and it's very pleasant. We're probably getting here in California, 30 to 50% of our electricity today during the daylight hours from solar energy right now as we speak, whether or not you have solar panels on your roof. So that is a great sign. We've come a long, long way in 15 years where it was 0% and maybe renewables supplied 2% of the grid power in California 15 years ago. Now, days like today, it's more than 30%. Because it's so inexpensive, we're able to install a lot more renewables at scale very inexpensively. So we're cleaning up the grid and decarbonizing faster than than you might think. Wow, yeah. So just to tie it back explicitly to the question you ask, for a lot of households, you no longer have to get solar panels yourself. You can actually support policies and use your vote to vote for elected officials who want to continue to clean up the grid and decarbonize and do so relatively inexpensively. And that is actually in many ways, some of the best things we can do is to all sort of vote together and push together for smart policies to help us clean up how we do things. So we're not tied to a lot of emissions 
And I know that's one of the kind of the key themes you focus on in, in this podcast. This just in, we interrupt this interview for a special wacky weather report. And it's a cold one out there. Well, folks, looks like I'm going to be posted up here at the airport for a while. Might as well tell you about this pesky little thing called the Polar Vortex. You may have heard of it recently on the news. The blizzards and the deep freeze of December 2022, that has interrupted so much holiday travel. First of all, what makes the Polar Vortex different from a regular cold winter storm? The first term Polar Vortex refers to is a pattern of cold air that rotates around each of the Earth's polar regions. Typically during cold winter, the regions of circulating air expands, which extends beyond the poles, reaching further south. These extremely cold and windy conditions can make everyday life in the winter difficult. Polar vortexes are not a new phenomenon. However, in recent years, global warming can and has increased the frequency of these events. As described by Paul Oldridge from UC Davis, the planet's warming trend has reduced temperature differences from the warmer regions to the poles. This causes a destabilization of the polar jet stream, creating a dip into lower latitudes and pushing the cold air further south. So, although it may seem contradictory, Global warming can and does contribute to cold polar air moving further south and causing extreme cold snaps. That's your wacky weather forecast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Back to our interview with Freeman Hall. So we talk a lot about reuse on this podcast. Your company is doing something amazing with old car batteries. We were wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Also, how are batteries so useful for making the grid 100% renewable? So we shifted our focus to energy storage and specifically battery storage about three, three and a half years ago. And that's because, as I was just saying, Solar is now the least expensive form of electricity. So that's a huge deal. And once we've now gotten the cheapest form of energy to be solar and wind, these are renewable resources, but you can't always count on them. Obviously, we have sunshine right the second, but in a couple of hours, the sun's going to go down and we need power all the time. So you need to have really cost-effective ways to store that low-cost solar and wind power. And company we started three and a half years ago is called B2U Storage Solutions, and that stands for Battery Second Use. We are using batteries that come out of electric vehicles. So the first electric vehicles were sold sort of in some level of scale about 12 years ago. It's about 2010 that the Nissan Leaf and some other all electric vehicles started to be sold at volume. And now those vehicles are reaching the end of their life. 
They don't work as well to drive around. Their range is not as good and, and other things happen. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And what we want to do is make sure that we're recycling all those EV batteries, and they're pretty big, so we can use them to be another generation of batteries. Before we recycle them, we've found that you can get a few more years of use from the old battery. And we've put together some technology that allows us to assemble a lot of the batteries in these big cabinets as bigger storage units comprised of all these EV batteries. And at a site we have up in Lancaster, California, up in the high desert north of here, we are operating over 1,200 batteries from electric vehicles that are powered from solar energy we generated at the site. There are several solar farm sites in California and others in Nevada and Arizona. Solar farms are not just great for the climate. They also benefit the community as well, creating jobs and economic opportunities for those who live nearby. And so we charge up these batteries all day. And then as the sun goes down, we still actually have a lot of demand for power in the state, but we lose 30 to 40% of the supply of power that we rely on when it's sunny. But we've charged up our batteries. And so we can then discharge into the grid when we need that clean, cheap energy, but we don't have as much of it that's not stored. And so that stationary storage, these battery storage resources, the grid needs a lot of so that we have stable power. And we need to make sure that everybody's driving electric vehicles and that we are decarbonizing and cleaning up transportation, right? Instead of burning gasoline and fossil fuels. So we believe that this technology we have is a good thing to sort of get the maximum value out of these batteries, even when they don't work on wheels in cars as well. They can have a second life in stationary storage before then we recycle them and create the next generation of batteries. Very cool. Are there upgrades that need to happen to transmission lines across the country to enable a full renewable grid in the U.S.? Yes. The short answer is we really need to put in a lot more transmission lines so that we can get the really low-cost solar energy from the the Southwest, right? We have a lot of deserts and great solar resource. We want to move that to California. We want to move that around the country. We've got some really good wind resources in certain parts of California. But if you've ever been to sort of the Midwest and the Plains, the wind blows all the time there. 
there's a really great wind offshore. There's a lot of talk about putting really big offshore wind farms in a number of places. What we need is a big upgrade to the transmission system so that we can move all around the country and, of course, around the world, the power where it's generated at low cost to the cities and towns where we need that power the most. It is very hard to get permitting for these transmission systems, but that is a great question. And the good news is that some of the recent legislation that you've probably been talking about in your podcast, like the Infrastructure Act and the Inflation Reduction Act that just came through Washington, D.C. and passed, there's a lot of incentives in some of those bills to incentivize the use of more EVs, the use of more solar and batteries, and also to permit and install more transmission systems. So the policymakers and the voters are trying to push for more of that, but we really can't get enough right now. It's very important. Yeah. All right. What concerns you the most about our changing climate? Well, I'd say that's a good question. There's been a climate meeting going on just this last week that I'm sure you've been talking about where we're checking in on how countries are doing toward their emission goals, right? The goal, stated goal from the Paris Accords has been to try to limit global climate change to 1.5 degrees Celsius increase over baseline numbers. And what we're finding is that we've made a lot of progress, but people tend to think about the big picture and then they get down to their business. And if your business has been to sell a coal-fired gasoline plant and you're a coal miner, or if you're owning a power plant that burns coal or natural gas, then that's been your business. You sort of want to hold on to that business. And there's a lot of sort of entrenched ways of doing things, which unfortunately had a lot of emissions tied to it. And so one just concern is we need for folks to be able to transition to do new things. And that sometimes does mean that your existing kind of business has to get changed. And so we just need to do that fairly quickly. And we all need to have enough willpower to sort of push through and make the kind of changes that we all need to keep emissions down. So that would be a broad answer, maybe not a great answer, but it's it's this sort of need to overcome people's intrinsic inertia to not change. And we need to make those changes fairly fast. Yeah. It's like just transitions as we talked about in a different episode. Oh, cool. Well, now our last question, what gives you the most hope? Well, Zach, I'd start with the fact that this work you're doing and putting this podcast together, thinking about the hard questions that face all of us and your generation right through to my generation and your mom's generations. We have a lot that we need to be doing, and it starts with being focused on the right problems and asking the right questions, just like you're doing, and then making sure that there's that willpower. Like I was saying earlier, if we all are aware of these problems and we will vote and get out there and be active and press for solutions, we can make tremendous changes. And that is happening and that we have that technology. As I was just saying, a lot of the technologies to reduce our emissions and reduce and sort of decarbonize the economy and how we do things, those technologies are there and they're really quite affordable in many cases. We are great at being innovative as societies. And I have a lot of hope because you're doing this podcast and your generation and many others like you are focused on 
these problems and asking the right questions and demanding solutions. And that gives me a lot of hope. Such cool information. Head over to b2uco.com to find out more information on Freeman's company and solar panels in general. And now it's time to test your climate IQ. You ready, Freeman? Let's get right into it. Here's our first question. How much solar reaches Earth's surface at any given moment? Is it 173 terawatts, 1.73 terawatts, 17,300 terawatts, or 173,000 terawatts? Wow, that is quite a trivia question. And for context, I think that the installed electricity capacity, so the maximum power generation within the United States is something on the order of a terawatt or two, which is a thousand gigawatts. That's a lot of power. And of course, the United States might represent 15% of the global economy. So multiply that one, two terawatts by seven to 10 to get sort of an overall global estimate. So it's still a fairly small number, but the power of the sun is incredible. And so if we're trying to measure the power of the sun at any given moment on the earth, I'd say it's the biggest number that you just listed as the option. So as opposed to 1.73 terawatts, which is like the U.S. power capacity, I'd say it's 173,000 terawatts. And you would be correct. Solar energy is the most abundant energy source on the planet. Enough sunlight hits Earth's surface in one and a half hours to power the entire world's electricity consumption for a year. All right, here's our second question. Of all the new generating capacity added to the U.S. electrical grid in 2020, what percentage was solar? Is it 5%, 14%, 22%, or 43%? Because solar, as I was explaining earlier in our conversation, is the lowest cost form of electricity in the United States in most places and really in much of the world, I would say that solar probably represented the single largest share of new capacity on the grid. Correct. 43%. Here's our third question. Roughly how much did the cost of PV solar panels decrease between 2008 and 2015? Is it A, 40%, B, 80%, C, 20%, or D, 60%. Well, once again, I think it's that biggest number because like we said earlier, when I started working on solar in about 2005, 2006, the costs were above $3 a watt. And now, again, much after 2015, but today we can buy solar for 50 cents a watt. So it has come down well over 100% multiple times 100% in that longer period. So I would say 80% to your question. Wow, you really know your facts. Here's our last question. About how many mirrors are used at the Ivanpah Solar Electric Generating System, the largest concentrating solar power facility in the U.S.? Is it 350,000, 3,500, 350? or 35,000? Well, that's a really cool question. And for anybody who has seen that that system, Ivanpah system, 
if you go between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, whether you drive or you fly, just about 50 miles outside of Las Vegas is the Ivanpah concentrating solar plant. And that's using mirrors, right, that reflect the sun's energy to these central towers that light up super bright. I mean, it's kind of amazing, and I'm sure you've seen it. That is not a photovoltaic system, so it's not using the photovoltaic effect that I was explaining earlier, but it is concentrating all that energy and turning water to steam, and in this case, also heating up salt, so it becomes molten salt, and that is powerful and can generate power even when the sun is not shining. It is the largest system, as you mentioned, and I think it's at least 350,000 mirrors at that system, so that would be my answer. Correct. Thanks for playing, Freeman. Zach, thanks for the great trivia questions. And thanks again for your focus on these really important issues, both in this episode and our conversation and and in this larger podcast you're doing. I love it. Thank you. So before we wrap up, let's get right into the action step of the week. Let me just grab my toolkit. A little to the left. Oh. Uh, hey, Zach, what's going on up in your room? Oh, hey, Claire. I'm installing some new solar panels up here. Wow, I would love to have solar panels, but I live in an apartment building. As a renter, I'm just not in a position to run my apartment on solar. Have you heard of community solar projects? It's quite a hot topic. No, tell me more. Recently, a bill in California was proposed one that would allow solar developers to build solar sites that people could subscribe to. People who may not be able to afford solar or live in an apartment or have a house under a shady tree can still get benefits from the use of solar power. The solar site is usually connected to the regular power grid. This means that even if you use standard electricity in your home, subscribers can receive credits towards their power bill and contribute to the use of solar elsewhere. Sounds like such a great idea, Zach. How can I get involved? Community solar is still developing as a concept, but reach out to your local legislators and solar companies to see if there are any existing projects in your area. You can Google community solar with the name of your municipality to see what options are available in your area. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate the tip. Always happy to shine a light on exciting eco-opportunity. Solar long! Well, that's our show, folks. Don't miss our next episode with Heather White, author of One Green Thing. Special thanks to Freeman Hall, my buddy Waldo, my teacher Claire Marder, as well as the producers and engineers over at Resonate Recordings. Last but not least, you, the listener, for tuning in to We the Children podcast. Don't hesitate to reach out for story ideas, questions, or concerns at We the Children podcast. Remember, if we act together, we, the children, can inspire hope and create change for our climate. Tune in next time for more climate content. Now if the planet is warming, try to stay cool. This is Zachary James, signing off. Imagine 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.